2: The stories swirling around Jag's rookie quarterback Garner Minshew were tough to comprehend. His parents almost named him Beowulf, catches fish with his bare hands, slept on a $10 mattress in college, walk on dreamer turned star. But I knew he reminded me of someone. Uncle Rico. Showtime. Big show today, John Brank is host creator, ESPN Sports Science. He's coming up in just a little bit, but we are starting the show with Gardner Minshew. Just let me give you the background here. Born May 16th, 1996, right when I was graduating college in Flowood, Mississippi. Interesting path. To the NFL, he starts in junior college, Northwest Mississippi Community College, leads his team to the NJCAA National Football Championship. He throws for 3,228 yards in... Junior college, completes 61% of his passes. Transfers to East Carolina University, never really plays. Gets a total of two starts. Next year, grad transfer to Washington State, and he helps lead Washington State to a school record, 11 wins. Third game as the school's quarterback, he throws for 470 yards. School record, 79% completion rate, which he's done in the NFL. And then here he comes, and nobody thinks highly of Gardner Minshew coming into the NFL to the point that he's a sixth-round draft pick. Now, Minshew, as I'll play for you coming up in a second here, he interviewed with two teams at the NFL Combine, the Jacksonville Jaguars and, that's right, you guessed it, the Chicago Bears. And he actually thought that the Bears were going to draft him, but the Bears only had a third-round pick and a fourth-round pick, didn't have a first, didn't have a second. That wouldn't have mattered, although maybe they would have been able to draft a quarterback had they filled some other needs. And they didn't have a fifth. They took David Montgomery in the third round, Riley Ridley in the fourth. Their sixth-round pick was number 205 overall. Jacksonville took him at 179. The Bears had the 205 pick, and then they had two picks in the seventh round. I'm guessing they would have drafted Gardner Minshew. Why is this important? Because we all know that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, they like quarterbacks they're familiar with. It's somehow why Mike Glennon ended up here. It's why Nick Foles was the choice last offseason. And once they fell in love with Mitchell Trubisky, they didn't even bother to sit down and have dinner with Deshaun Watson because they were in love. And some part of them, at least at one point, was in love with Gardner Minshew. I'm hoping that they actually follow their love this time. Do not overpay for Carson Wentz. That does not make sense to me at all. Taking on huge contract for a guy who's had some serious issues in Philadelphia, sparring with coaches, and now you're going to try to resurrect his career. We've seen how this coaching staff tries to resurrect quarterbacks in Nick Foles. I just I don't like the plan at all. Minshew, however, 37 touchdowns, only 11 interceptions in Jacksonville. On a terrible Jaguars team. People are like, oh, I got benched for Mike Lennon. He was on the worst team in the NFL last year. No quarterback is going to look good in that situation. Reminder, the Bears went 8-8. Eight eight. They got terrible quarterback play from Nick Foles, looked good in one damn game against Atlanta. And you had up and down Mitchell Trubisky, who finally looked good at the end of the season until it mattered, and then he didn't look good when they were playing the Packers and then, of course, in the playoffs. Minshew, has had huge games in his career. His first ever game, rookie, game one, Nick Foles gets hurt, clavicle injury, done, Minshew, sixth-round pick, 22 of 25 against the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a guy that's played on a bad football team and has put up very respectable numbers, and he's cheap, and he's super fun as I'm playing. Let me just play you a little bit of my interview with Gardner Minshew from Super Bowl 54, not this past Super Bowl, but... A year ago, down in Miami, here comes Minshew. He's promoting whatever the hell he was promoting, and I found him incredibly likable. Did you have confidence coming in this year that, hey, if I, if I got a shot, I, I can do this right now? Because, I mean, six-round pick, that doesn't normally happen, especially in a rookie year, but you got an opportunity, stepped right into it.
3: Yeah, so that's all I've ever asked for. You know, whether it's coming out of high school, coming out of junior college, you know, coming out of uh, Washington State, I just want a chance. You know, I always felt like if I had a chance, if I was on the team, then, um, you know, if I got a chance, I could be successful. Um, So I I was very fortunate to get an opportunity early, have great people around me to help me take advantage of that, and uh, it was a lot of fun.
2: Why do you think you weren't, I don't know, like whatever, Alabama quarterback guy? or How would you sort of assess your your progress in life that way?
3: Yeah, so, I mean, I'm like not quite six foot. Um, I ran basically a five flat. Um, There's not like a ton of people lining up to like take those guys, you know. You can be, like, you can be big or you can be slow. I mean, you can be small or you can be slow. You can't be both, you know, so I was kind of both. And that's not it's not what you want. Um, but you know what, I, you know, I got other things that I think make up for it, I guess. Yeah, well, like putting, the, putting it out of the money is a, is a valuable asset Dude, for a quarterback, right? You would think. You would think. I guess, you know, college recruiters would disagree, but,
2: yeah. So did it bother you? I mean, I would have been pissed off.
3: Yeah, yeah, it pissed me <laughs> off. Uh, you know, obviously, like, you always have kind of a chip on your shoulder from that. Um, but, you know, more than anything, like I've had a lot of people like in my corner the whole way. So more than anything is just trying to, you know, prove them that, yeah, y'all were right. You know, we're doing this together, Um uh, more than anybody, you know, talking negative about me.
2: So the drafts going third round, fourth round, fifth round, are you, I mean, you sitting there like, dude, you know what I'm doing? <laughs> I'm standing here right here. Got something in this hand,
3: Cornhole in the backyard, <laughs> had all my buddies over. I was like, I'm going to get drafted and it's going to be awesome. I gave my sister my phone. I was like, hey, if somebody calls, just give it to me, um, and yeah, that was uh, that was my day. It was pretty stress free. So even when it got to six round,
2: you're like, I know someone's picking me.
3: That's what like I would not like um, I, I'm not sure like I, I kind of I don't I don't I don't even know if it was if I knew it was six round yet. Okay. You know, I was just like hanging out with my guys, um, you know, because I think I wanted to like by the time we like got picked, like the celebration would already be started, you know? Right. So I wasn't about to stress over it.
2: All right. So, and your guys were just playing, they weren't, they were just going along with So, you were playing
3: cornhole, playing spike ball, um, just having a blast in my backyard.
2: What else are you good at? I feel like you got a lot Yeah, I'm, re- I'm really
3: good at spike ball. Yeah. Spike ball is like, <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, one of the better, better spike ball players I've seen. And also dodgeball. Um, you know, hopefully one of these days I'll go to the Pro Bowl just to play in that dodgeball
2: game. I mean,
3: um, come on now. You know, I'm coming at Jarvis Landry.
2: Is Gardner Minshew personality p- part going to grow to the moon? Are you comfortable with all the attention that comes along with it? you love it? doesn't change,
3: like, my day-to-day life or anything, you know. Really? So I'm just being, like, I'm just being myself. Like, I still have, like, two roommates in Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> like, I come home to my roommates and we hang out and then we go to bed, wake up early and go to work. Like, it's not,
2: <laughs> it, it, it doesn't change much. You don't look at, like, yo, uh, when this pay goes up, you all got to get out of here? It's Dude, I, I, I'm I mean, still
3: on that six-round deal, dog. So I got I got a few more years. So you can talk to you can talk to Dave Caldwell about that. Let me let me Except ask GM.
2: You. Yeah, yeah. So there's this team where you know we're based in Chicago, and I've rooted for the Bears my whole life. Did they ever talk to you at any point? Scout you nothing? Yeah. So that was um, at the combine.
3: I had two formal interviews: one was the Jaguars, and one was the Bears. The Bears um, interviewed you. They did. Uh, I loved it. You know, meeting with uh, Nagy and all those guys. Like they were they were awesome. We got talked some really good ball. Um, you know, for a while I thought like that, that was gonna be a you know real possibility, um, but you know what? I ended up right right where I'm supposed to be. So. That's painful that they
2: sat <laughs> with you and didn't pick you. Did you think you were actually gonna go to Chicago? Uh, I mean, I thought that
3: was like kind of one of the. I probably had about five teams. I thought you know it's a decent chance.
2: So I'm in Gardner Minshew. There are no sexy options here. Give me the cool guy, who's not that fast, and not that tall but somehow, someway has found his way into the NFL because he just knows how to get said ball to said receiver and be successful. I would love to see Gardner Minshew's talent and personality all end up in Chicago and see what he can do. All right, before we get to John Brankus, a reminder, the Windy City Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, Manscaped offers the precision-engineered tools for those family jewels, for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped, trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and yours truly, at the CARM. i got an exclusive offer for you, my diehard the Windy City Podcast listeners, you get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 Twenty by going to manscaped.com. Go to manscaped.com, put in that code FANSIDED20, and you will get hooked up with 20% off on all your manscaping needs. They've got the best ball hair trimmer ever, the lawnmower Mower 3.0 third-generation trimmer, cutting-edge ceramic blade. You'll love it. In addition, the trimmer's got the LED light so that you get the precise shave. It's waterproof. You want to do it in the shower. This is amazing. Go to manscaped.com. Fan-sided 20. That's your promo code, manscaped.com. All right, let's get to my guy, John Brankus, ESPN Sports Science. This is going to be... What he's about to say about a quarterback the Bears should have had is going to blow your mind, that Brankus was on the know and the Bears somehow weren't. Can we rewind and just go back to how in the world sports science actually came to be? I'm sure this was when you were trying to have a whatever career you were trying to have, this was probably not the number one pathway that you thought was going to happen.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, when I was at the University of Virginia, I, you know, just wanted to be a movie director and that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, so I made a movie and, you know, it did well, but it didn't make a lot of money, you know, got into great festivals, got a lot of great reviews. and I'm like, man, this takes a lot of time. So we our production company uh, essentially created two divisions, a sport division and a science division. Grew up in the DC area, started our business um, right outside of DC. So the Discovery Channel was there. National Geographic was there. We did all of the production for the Bullets and Wizards and the Capitals and then picked up a bunch of other um, national teams. And we literally had our science division. We had our sport division. Then we put those two things together in a program called XMA, Extreme Martial Arts, for the Discovery Channel. That did so well. National Geographic wanted to do something that was called fight science that was like top 10 of all time for geographic uh and then fox owns geographic and they played fight science uh opposite the original eli manning versus peyton manning sunday night football game it was their third highest rated program of the year and they're like oh my god people love this stuff what else do you got i said well we got this thing called sport science and we're gonna you know have the world's greatest athletes in the ultimate laboratory and put them to the test and they're like god bless you if you can pull this off so it just, uh, you know, we pulled it off and did 1,800 episodes and, you know, won a bunch of awards and wrote a New York Times bestselling book. And, you know, really, I, I think we, you know, created a little dent in the sports universe because prior to uh, sports science, there were no Fitbits, there was no iPhone, there was no, that like the metrics were really kind of pen and paper, kind of money ball uh, metrics. But, you know, we were fashioning our own sensors, we were measuring athletes in ways that no one had ever done before. And- now, obviously, everybody's got a gizmo and an algorithm, um, which is great.
2: Did you – were you sitting there like, this is going to take off? I just got to get it in front of the right people? Or were you like, oh, my God, this I can't believe what's happening here?
1: It It is such a build it and they will come story. It honestly was – the hangar that we originally built Sports Science in is the same hangar where SpaceX is now. It was at Hawthorne Airport, and we – yeah, you know, literally it was like this dream. Okay, we're going to build the ultimate laboratory. How do you do that? You got to get giant turf and you got to get all the, you know, you got to get scientists on board to build sensors and you got to get a basketball court and you got to get, you know, one of everything. And so we were putting it in an airplane hangar and as we were doing it, um we were just taking pictures and sending it to, you know, relationships that we had. And really what what ended up happening was Jerry Rice said yes. Ben Roethlisberger said yes. Drew Brees said yes. Ray Lewis said yes. Larry Fitzgerald said yes. And once you start this momentum, you know, you call anybody and who's going to say no? The greatest wide receiver of all time said yes. Um, And we, you know, the value proposition was very simple. Look, we never paid an athlete to come on the show ever because I'm like, look, we want to dissect your greatness. And we want to teach you something. We want to teach you why are you why are you better than everybody else. So it was a much there was a much greater value proposition than just sitting down to do an interview. And you could just feel the athlete interest and the agent interest and the team interest immediately just pouring in. So that's why we we were on Fox for two years, um, and then ESPN came along and, and snapped it up. And when you know we were on there for you know a really long time, we're, they're still running segments. Um, on sports science so it was it you could just feel it happening and we're we're really really grateful that I think right place right time right idea right right execution but also really the right athletes you know without the you know without Jerry Rice and Ray Lewis you know who knows what, what would happen
2: so that's was I was gonna ask like why do you think these guys wanted to do it but I think you just answered it they actually were curious about themselves is that the best answer
1: a hundred percent. I mean, I when I made those initial phone calls, nobody knew who I was. You know, I was just a TV producer in L.A. that owned a production company. So it wasn't like, oh, you know, oh yeah, I get to go on with this, you know, with this guy that I've been watching for years. It was a hey, I've got it. The ultimate laboratory. I want to put you to the test. And, you know, we're going to make you look like the superhero you are. We're going to figure stuff out. That proposition was so enticing. Just everybody wanted, you know, literally when I say it was, it's, it's obviously the creme de la creme. We have the greatest athletes in the world coming in, putting themselves to the test on their own dime, their own time. And it was, it was unlike any proposition uh, before. And then eventually, you know, it literally by, you know, year 10 or 11, you have, you know, people who are, you know, athletes are literally like, oh dude, I've been watching you since I was eight you know so so it became that oh my god i have always wanted to be on sports science i always wanted to you know hang out with you i always wanted to do something so it it you know but once that ball got rolling it, it, i i just can't the 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 greatest the thing that i'm most grateful for is the biggest lesson i learned is that a lot of people have such misconceptions about successful athletes they think oh my god they walk around with entourages and they're you know they're a huge pain and they're high maintenance Like I never paid anyone. You can look at the athletes that we got, you know, that we've gotten on the show and continue to get. And you say, these are all fantastic human beings in their own right. And it's the the perception that they wake up, they're great. You know, they roll out of bed and they're great. Just couldn't be further from the truth. They work so hard. Every man, every woman, you know, that we've had in the lab, they work so hard. They're so dedicated in being on sports science and being involved with the kind of things that I'm involved with it's just a testament to to the work ethic.
2: Yeah, I mean even in the last week we you know had a ton of Super Bowl interviews and Ray Allen from the NBA was with us and he's, he's talking about how I never felt like I was a good shooter. I had to get in the gym in the morning and and you know finally feel like I was comfortable after however long it took him and then he could end up being the all-time greatest three-point shooter at least to this date in in, in NBA history. It's just kind of amazing what you're just to underline what you're saying. Uh give me Give me people dead or alive that you would love to bring into the lab that you haven't.
1: God, you know, um, you know, the, it's such a hard one because I got an opportunity to either work directly with pretty much everyone or become friendly with, or somehow like, obviously you're like, Oh, Michael Jordan. I mean, I'm incredibly fortunate. Michael Jordan and I, um lived in park city at the same time and we were at the same country club he was a huge sports science fan so you know when jordan's like dude i love your stuff i'm like yeah your stuff is all right too you know (laughs) um he uh you you know but obviously jordan was was you know jordan was retired by the time that we started but that would have been cool jordan in his prime um would have been amazing but we've broken down so many jordan clips you know on on video using you know all of all the latest greatest tech that we've done a ton of jordan segments Got a chance to work with the late great Kobe Bryant. God rest his soul. Um, Kobe's been amazing. We've done a million LeBron segments. We've done a million segments on um, everyone. You know that the, the I, I honestly, when you're like, well, who's the the one person that you haven't gotten? We we've, we've just been so fortunate. There's always going to be somebody new, and there's always you know the latest crop of quarterbacks uh, that came out. You know, Trent Dilfer and I uh, did a show called Soul and Science where we had Josh Allen, Josh Darnold. Uh, you know, we analyzed Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson and did everybody in that draft. And, you know, in that draft, it was, it it was interesting how I said, you know what, I think if I were to pick one guy as the quarterback, I would pick Josh Allen. I think that he's the most versatile in terms of going to any system and fitting in and, you know, whether or not I'm right or wrong as of now, Buffalo has done pretty well and they were not a powerhouse prior to him showing up. Lamar obviously has done great, but I think with Lamar's, you know, skill set is, you know, you got to like develop your system around that skill set. And obviously Baker's doing great too. You know, a lot of people were down on Baker, but you know, Cleveland is, is doing fantastic. So I don't know, you know, I don't have a, a, a I don't have that one dream cause we have, we've had everybody.
2: How much do teams reach out to you? You don't have to identify them. If, that's off the board, but like, Hey, what do you think of this guy? What do you think of that guy? Can you do that? You know, I mean, I would think that they would want the information.
1: Yeah. It's all, all the time. You know, when, when, uh, when we were exclusively with ESPN had to be really careful, obviously just to make sure that we weren't, you know, sort of favoring any team or giving information that we didn't have our information, you know, we made public and I did, you know, a ton of speaking engagements, being able to sort of put the data into perspective for people because that, that really the advent of, of sports science and the, the explosion in metrics is, well, what do you do with them? Like, what does it matter? Is speed really the thing to look at? And, you know, I, I, it, it, when I say it's every league, every team, you know, is contacting me in one way or another. It's, it, it's also every product. It's also every, you know, Hey, we've got this thing that makes it better and we've got this new gizmo. So when I say I kind of seen one of everything, I feel incredibly blessed. Um, to be in that position and a lot of stuff is taken out of context or they're making claims that just simply aren't true. Uh, and that's, I've become a really good filter for that. So I, I think a lot of people, the the most common message that I get is, is this real? And yeah. people send me stuff and they're like, what do you think about this? And most stuff is not because it is not real. The real is uh, understanding that it become, that you need to fall into what I refer to as a Goldilocks zone, you know, whatever the metric may be. You probably don't want to be the top of the curve. Obviously, you don't want to be the bottom of the curve. You want to be big enough, strong enough, fast enough. You want to be in the sweet spot of the curve where you are enough of whatever that metric is. And then it's a matter of will and coaching and system and everything else, um, regardless of the sport.
2: Who... Along those lines, as you know, maybe they were at the top, maybe they're in the it's more in the nice little sweet spot that you're talking about. Like, who's impressed you the most? Uh, Getting ready to talk to you today, I'm going back through your videos. I'm watching John Wall throw a behind the back. I mean, ridiculous pass. I'm like, I mean, I don't know how much his luck is involved in that, but it's like that is preposterous. Um, so I don't know who's like, where you're like, oh my god, this guy's just completely insane. So, you know, when we had um,
1: Patrick Mahomes in the lab, he was not like. He was not the, oh, this is going to be, you know, this is the best quarterback in the draft. I said, not only is he the best quarterback in the draft, he's the best quarterback I've ever analyzed. I'm like, this guy is, when he stepped into the lab, I put him through every single test and he was crushing every test you possibly could imagine. Now, Patrick Mahomes is a perfect example. Is he the fastest quarterback in the league? No, but he's certainly fast enough. Does he throw the ball the hardest? No. No. He doesn't throw the ball the hardest. Is he the biggest? Nope, he's not the biggest. And, but you put him, and you're like, oh my god, he's in that Goldilocks zone. And then when you take all of those skills and say he can throw the ball from any position, he can run if he needs to run. You know, he can stay in the pocket if he needs to. He can do you know, like he can do all the things quarterback does. Then you lop on, and he's really smart, and he's super smart. He's a great leader. And you look into you know one of the things that we do is is sort of like the intangible character analysis. And you're like this guy has everything and you know if we are all so god willing to make sure he stays healthy i think he's going to go down as the greatest quarterback ever and i said that the second he stepped into the lab and everyone's like you're drunk you're crazy I'm like i really do another player was alvin kamara you know when he was in the lab i'm like look he actually falls into the perfect goldilocks zone the top five running backs of all time in the history of the nfl None of them are over six feet. The average weight is 215 pounds. None of them were the fastest 40 on their team or in their class, but they were all big enough, strong enough, fast enough. So the Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, when when we had Alvin Kamara in, I'm like, this guy is, I mean, he is wicked fast, but not the fastest. He is, he's under six feet tall. So that's perfect. He's, you know, 200 in whatever low 200s, whatever he weighs in at. And you're like, he falls into the like, the perfect running back. So I went, I'm, I've been preaching from the mountaintop that I think Alvin Kamara is the bees knees and whole, you know, when it's all said and done, he could be somebody who is one of the greatest running backs of all time.
2: So if I was an NFL team or an NBA team, whatever, I would be calling you up, John, and saying, do you want to work for us? Do you want to yeah. be has, has that happened? Often,
1: yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I've been really blessed. It, it. What's tricky about it is, it is. Yes, it's super interesting. But picks are not made based on science. Picks are made for a lot of different reasons. There are there. Are, there it, it's The scientific analysis of it all is just one factor. As an example, I mean, I've I I've said this over and over and over. The NFL draft. I would. So even. Patrick take Patrick Mahomes and take Alvin Kamara and take everything and even put them aside and say, look, you know, once in a generation, you get somebody like Mahomes, who's genuinely different than everyone else. But Mahomes as well is subject to injury and he could blow out his knee and not, you know, never play again. So in the NFL draft, the only players that I would draft are guys who are over 300 pounds and play on the O-line or D-line because there's only so many human beings on the planet with guys that are healthy at that size, and God forbid you lose your left tackle. You need some other great, big, huge, skilled guy behind that, or else it doesn't matter if you have Patrick Mahomes. Like it, it. What matters is that you have that interior line on both sides of the ball in all of the skill positions every single year. There are incredible skill positions out on the free agent market. So you just pick them up and stick them together with young, healthy, big bodies. And you basically have the Patriots.
2: Yeah, I I get the safe bet there. And and I get that there's a huge mental side and desire. And of course, the huge variable if they're going to get hurt. But I don't know if I was. Ryan Pace, let me just pick that because I'm from Chicago, the Bears' general manager. Yeah. Hey, John, here's Deshaun Watson, here's Patrick Mahomes, here's Mitchell Trubisky. Who stands out the most to you? I would want that information. I would. And, oh and yeah, I, you absolutely. Know, I mean,
1: I, I, yeah, and that, you know, when you just listed those three quarterbacks, you're like, well, Mahomes. I mean, without even hesitating, then that's not putting down the other quarterbacks. That's right. just saying he's that good. Now, do you want to go all in on it? I mean, if if we were to argue, well, the quarterback is the most um the most important position then the backup quarterback is the second most important position I mean God forbid someone goes down and that's where you know Baltimore kind of had a thing going with Lamar Jackson and RG3 and you could kind of see the hey those guys are really complimentary you know the the uh you know when you have Mahomes and then whoever's you know backing you up at that moment whoever it may be that's going to be a big drop off <laughs> no matter what, yeah, yeah. I mean, no matter what you do, right? Because it's just kind of, he's that special.
2: No no question. I really appreciate the time. Six-time Emmy award winner. Last one for you. Like where, where do you think it's going? Is the biggest emphasis on, I don't know, recovery or, I mean, there's so many different ways that uh, people are trying to figure out how to make the athletes the best they possibly can be. I, I don't know. Where do you see this? I think there's a giant, I
1: think where everything is going is, I, I think when everyone says everyone's going to get bigger, stronger and faster, I, I, I disagree with that because, yes, human beings will get bigger and, yes, they will get stronger and, yes, they will get fac- faster. But you got to look at sort of the mean average of everything. I think that the mean average largely stays the same um, because you're going to have just more guys at a certain level, right? You're going to get rid of the bottom and you're going to get rid of the top. And you're going to have everyone hitting that ceiling um, on size, speed, strength um, within there. So I think that remains the same. You just have a higher percentage of um, genuinely athletic, um, you know, humans at every single position. I think that, you know, with that being said, I think the mental component is being looked at way more than it's ever been looked at. You know, guys like Mike Gervais up at, uh, you know, up in Seattle. um, we, you know who are who have really worked wonders of saying, all right, we we all know that these 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 athletes are really talented, but how are they under pressure? How are they in terms of retention? How are they in terms of chemistry? Those those intangible sort of more mental factors, I think, are coming coming to the forefront a lot more.
2: Thanks for putting on the Windy City Podcast. Thanks to John Brankus, Sports Science, old school interview with Gardner Minshew. Let's go, Ryan Pace. Let's go, Matt Nagy. You got this, Ted Phillips. Bring Minshew to the Bears. Let's see what happens. Low-risk proposition that could have the high reward. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.